Presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 88, recorded live. Well, this is uh, Louis Trapani here, and welcome ladies and gentlemen and small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri. Joining me on this live podcast is Darth Skeptical. Hello, Darth. Howdy, guys. How you doing? Good to have you on board. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's a great surprise. Um, Darth was originally not going to be here today, but I'm so grateful that he is. Indeed. Especially being that <laughs> all our <laughs> other regulars are um, missing in action, but um, but to um, but not to miss, we still have um, another guest host with us, um, someone that hasn't been on for quite some time, but he was there in the very beginning of our podcast, um, chiming in now and then. Um, Joe, also known as Omega in our forums, 
Hello, Joe. Hello. Good to have you on board. It's nice to be here. Well, um, if the other, our other regular contributors and hosts show up during the cast, they'll uh, pop in midway through. But it's a holiday weekend, um, in a sense, here in the U.S., so... I think that has um, that might be playing a part in uh, you know the, the low turnout here, and also you know the series has come to an end. Last week we reviewed uh, the last of the Time Lords, and this week was a, a bit of a um, you know a break in the reviewing aspects of you know reviewing each televised episode. We're still going to do a review today. We're going to be reviewing the Infinite Quest, the animated adventure that um, was transmitted simultaneously during. Uh, this series, and um, we're also going to be covering some of the latest news since last week's show. And um, so, anyway, so I, I, th- I think we might have uh, had a little bit of a drop off because of the momentum has, um, you know, really built to its pinnacle last week. And um, hopefully, everyone will be back next week because next week we'll be reviewing the entire series, the entire uh, series three or the 2007 series of, of Doctor Who, so you don't want to miss next week's show, that's July 15th um, at 1pm Eastern Daylight Time in the US um, your time settings will be accordingly to your time zone so make those adjustments and um, join us uh, next week for that show so this week, we, since last week's show we had a flurry of activity in the news section we normally, in the live shows, we don't really cover the news, we, we've just been re, you know, dedicating each live show for a review but since um, so much news has been um, broken since last week's show, all of it pertaining to casting, which has um, ignited a, uh, a flurry of activity on our message forums on our website, gallifreyandembassy.org, and I'm sure the same is the case on Outpost Gallifrey, gallifrey1.com. Um, some are very um, uh, positive, some are not so, and some are a bit neutral, and uh, so we'd like to hear what um, everyone thought of, um, you know, of the casting news. Now, before I go any further, slight spoiler warning, um, if you have not seen the series, this series three or the 2007 series, uh, the casting news may be a bit of a spoiler. Um, it's, you know, it, but then again, if you're keeping up on any Doctor Who news, it's kind of going to be hard to avoid it, but uh, it does imply what may happen in the series, you know, conclusion of this series, so um, just be aware of that. It's not that big of a spoiler, but, you know, if you are sensitive to that, you may want to uh, hold off on this show. So, the big news is, um, well, um, where should we begin? I guess um, we know um, the character of uh, Martha Jones, who's been the current companion, uh, played by Freema Adjaman, will be coming back. Though, <laughs> though um, maybe not right away. Um News is that she's going to be appearing in the Torchwood series, and she will be returning to Doctor Who as well. But there'll be another companion returning, a companion that we were first introduced to last Christmas in the the Christmas special, uh, which um, um, the, the name just escaped me. Um, Donna Noble. Yeah, yeah, but the name of the the, the Christmas special it wasn't. Oh, the um, Runaway Bride. The Runaway Bride. Thank you. Yeah, so Donna Noble, played by Catherine Tate, will be t- returning full force as a full-fledged companion. And um, some people are very happy about this. Others, 
If she had gotten some mixed reactions when she was initially announced way back when for the Christmas special Runaway Bride, uh, I think some of those opinions changed once they saw the episode and saw her perform. Uh, perhaps others changed the other way or, or didn't change, whatever, because uh, she is known for uh, a bit, uh, you know, for her comedy stylings, which is a bit, um, which is, could be classified as a bit rambunctious, if you like, or aggressive. <laughs> so she's she's coming back, and I'll I'll pass off to. I mean, I'll well, I'll just say that I think it's great news. I, I think um, I didn't really have a problem with her. I you know in the. I, I did have some problems with the Runaway Bride as far as the story itself goes and some of the characters in it, but uh, for her herself, um, I thought she added some contrast to the Doctor, and um, I think it was good to have a, doc- a companion that might challenge the Doctor more so than what we saw with Rose, though I have to say Martha has done that as well in this past series, which I enjoyed, you know, as well. So, um, though I think... Um, you know, it's it's going to be something different if we're going to have because both Martha and Rose seem to be um, pining a bit for the Doctor during their stay, and where Donna, I don't think has that. At least we haven't really seen that; it hasn't surfaced at all from what we've seen so far. Um, so it, it 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 will change that aspect of the companion Doctor relationship um, in the new series, if you will. Anyone else? I, yeah, I, I think that's a, a valid point. But you're looking at a character that is somewhat styled on Tegan, I guess, in that you know there is a tendency of the character to uh, disagree with the Doctor quite vehemently. But quite separate from Tegan, she seems to be genuinely curious. I, I never really got with Tegan that she really cared that much about what was going on until it affected mm-hmm. her personally. But okay. uh, I think you see with... Uh, uh, Donna Noble, a, a compassion for the Doctor as a character, as well as standing up for what she believes to be the right course of action in any given situation. Uh, I very much enjoyed her performance uh, in The Runaway Bride and think that the you know first 40 minutes of that show were some of the best minutes in mm-hmm. current series. So I'm, I'm excited for her to return, and I'm especially excited for... Uh, the interface between her and Martha once Martha returns and you actually have a, a three-person TARDIS again. That's very exciting news to me. Yeah, yeah. Although I must say, I am slightly disappointed only in that I, I would have liked to have had a male companion. I agree, yes. That, that would have been very nice, but still, the dramatic possibilities and, and more particularly the comedic possibilities of this arrangement are entirely exciting and I can't wait for it to happen. But having said that, I think that we are very much in the minority here. I mean, if you look at Outpost Gallifrey, if you look at, indeed, at the BBC website, um, that the Straight News website that announced it, and the comments that are left behind there on uh, just that part, which you would imagine is a place that's visited by uh, the general public more than by mm-hmm. fans, the the commentary is, in some cases, devastatingly negative. Uh, And and indeed, the comments run about 90 to 10, at least uh, a couple of days ago when I looked at it last, they were about 90% to 10% negative about her returning, which is kind of shocking. Well, um, 
I, I think, and I, I don't know this, I'm speculating here that, that perhaps her character will, because we've seen her at the end of The Runaway Bride, and, and she seemed to mellow out a bit, you know, mm. where she wasn't, and I, and I think that's where we're headed, where she's still going to be feisty and aggressive, but she's not going to be, you know, it's not like she was lifted right off her wedding day in mid-march down, mid-march down the aisle, where she was ag- agitated, to right. you know, to say the least, and um, so I think what we saw in Runaway Bride was maybe her at her most extreme, and then towards the end, she winded down a bit. And I think that's where we, I, again, I'm just assuming that's where we'll pick her up, you know, in, in, in that mode. And, um, and of course, when she's agitated and, and things become turmoil, we'll get to the screaming, you know, Donner again. It wouldn't be her character if it didn't. And mm-hmm. But I, I think people are probably prejudging her too quickly. And I think uh, sort of like um, perhaps with uh, the Sixth Doctor, when he first regenerated, you know, he was a bit um, in turmoil as well. And then you had to give him time, too, before he before you got to get to warm up to him. And I think maybe the same might goes go with Donna's character. I, I think you're probably right. And I certainly hope that that's the way that it goes down. There, there seems to be, at least on paper, a lot to the character of Donna that... Uh, hasn't existed with a lot of characters in the past. Even, you know, Rose and Martha are both fairly simple, straightforward characters, but there is a a dichotomy running through uh, Donna that is refreshing. And you you saw two sides to Donna's character within, you know, a mere hour that you didn't necessarily see within the similar hour for either of the two other regular companions. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot of drama to be played with there. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Joe, um, have you been following the news? Have, have, you, have you heard about what we've been talking about? Uh, yeah, I did. And, um, you know, just as far as that goes, um, I, I feel, uh, you know, having seen The Runaway Bride, that we did see we, we did see her mellow out a lot towards the end. Um, that really has... Um, made me feel more up in the air about her because I I really I don't think any of us are really gonna know how she's gonna play the character because I feel like at the end, you know, she really mellowed out towards the doctor, became more understanding towards the doctor. So we might have a character that's not nearly as rambunctious as she was in the runaway bride, which I think would be uh, to the show's disadvantage to have another girl that's just so eager to you know, really help out the doctor in the same sort of way that Rose and Martha did. And, um, you know, just one other thing about that is, for me, it's, and we have, and that is from the present being taken onto the TARDIS again. And it would have been nice to see uh, a new companion who is at least from maybe a slightly different time period mm-hmm. um, to, you know, add a little something more to it. Uh, because, you know, the, the contemporary women, you know, it's fine, but after a while, you know, it's supposed to be a show about time travel and, you know, other than who was a companion, but, you know, only in a few episodes. There, and, you know, Adam was only traveled with them once, you know, it would be nice to see someone, even if it was just a woman from, like, the 80s or something, mm-hmm. you know, 
something to zest it up a little bit. Yeah. Be I think be refreshing to the series, and I could almost forgive the series for being so earthbound, even though they're slowly moving away from that. If it wasn't not only earthbound but a contemporary, you know, yeah. and so yeah, I. It, it seems like Russell T. Davies um, obviously is using the companion to try to tell the stories, you know, just kind of relate the audience through the companion's point of view. And um, I think it's um, one of the reasons why I think he would always keep the companion as a, a human. And perhaps this is why he tends to keep them com- contemporary in their time um, line as well, you know, um, I mean, I, I don't object to anything you said. I think it would work just as well if, or, 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 and, and make it more interesting by putting a, a companion from a different, you know, even if it's an Earth companion, a different, you know, from a different time of Earth, just to uh, kind of play that fish-out-of-water type of, um, um, you know, even when they do visit contemporary Earth, it adds add a little, you know, um, a layer of um, interest there. Yeah, and it's weird because... He- Russell D. Davies did pass on the idea because Martha originally was supposed to have been, uh, I think, from something like Victoria's age, somewhere in the late really? 1800s. Yeah. And, in fact, wrote the first episode, I think, with her in it, in that way, and then decided that it wasn't such a good idea and went back and changed it to be a more contemporary person. So, oh, for I whatever reason, I, I'm surprised with his love of, his obvious love of the first and second Doctor's eras, that he hasn't seized upon the opportunity to put in somebody from a different time period. Yeah. I was just going to say, exactly, you know, he makes so many references to Patrick Troughton's era, and Troughton's era, you know, you saw Jamie, Victoria, and Zoe for the vast majority of it. Mm-hmm. None of them were from contemporary Earth. Yeah, exactly. And the show worked, and it was brilliant. And, you know, it would even just be nice, since we know Martha's going to come back, there is going to be that contemporary character. It would even make it that much more interesting to have, like, a Victorian-age woman or just a woman from a different time period who's either, you know, might have different ideas of what it is to be a woman and see Mm -hmm. them conflict on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's probable that the the conflict that he's going for here is going to be one over the doctor's affection, and um, you're going to see probably Martha reacting in a, in a way where she's like, "Well, you know, here's yet another woman that is getting in the way between, or is getting in the way between me and the doctor," and you're going to see probably uh, Donna reacting in kind of the same way. Here's another woman that he's taken on board. She already knows about Rose, but now there's this Martha person. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see sort of a romantic rivalry, which will probably be interesting, but I, I think you're quite right in saying that it may not have been as interesting as one over time period and uh, viewpoint of the world and things like that. And um, just to sort of add a little... A bit to that, I feel we already visited that with school reunion, with Rose seeing that he has traveled with women in the past and that Sarah Jane clearly had some sort of affection, at least in that episode, towards the doctor. And, you know, I feel 
we're traveling across, you know, roads that have already been, you know, mapped out here and that there are more interesting roads to take that would be fresh and new. And, I mean, we even saw a little bit of that with um, Captain Jack and Rose. You know, it wasn't as beating you over the head so much, but even in that, and he even made a remark, I think, in uh, Utopia uh, towards that, too, where, you know, he was sort of struggling for the doctor's affection as well, and, you know, I feel like without these storylines and these ideas too long, and that it would be interesting to take it in a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I think the one advantage of having reusing established companions for the next series is that um, I don't know if it's an advantage, but just one one person pointed it out in our forums that it saves us the trouble of of introducing someone as a new companion in their family, so to speak, and their background. We kind kind of can just we already know these companions. We don't. I mean, granted, we only know a limited amount about Donna. And but she's already established, so we can kind of um, not have an establishing episode about a new companion. Um, and that's maybe that's not good or or bad. I don't know. I'm just it's just a point of fact. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the establishment episode here is maybe is certainly more interesting in that it's about why does she now choose to go with the doctor or does she choose? Is she kidnapped? How exactly is it that she goes from her position at the end of runway bride to becoming the companion? And that will probably be, that's going to be interesting. interesting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to see how, you know, how that transpires. Hmm. Now, before we move away from that, I think we should probably give some voice to, uh, something that's been on both the Outpost Gallifrey and our own uh, forums, and that is, what do we think about the perceived snub of Sally Sparrow? Oh, well, um, I mean, I think <laughs> there seems to be a, an online campaign, so to speak, to get her as a new companion, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it would be a bad thing. I'm not opposed to it, but I just, you know, um, I, 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 you know, I... I don't know how that would, you know, again, it would just be similar to how, you know, the same question that we're asking, how would Donna come on board and whatever. It's just, um, I just, even though I I don't have any problems with it, I just don't see it happening. Hmm. It just seems like she was a a one-off character for the episode Blink, and um, I, I have no problems with her whatsoever, and I just don't really see the show going that direction, though. Mm-hmm. Would you perhaps have preferred her over Donna, or Donna over her? Um, I kind of, you know, um, I, I I think I'm interested in in how Donna as a companion will play out because of the contrast there, you know, because she's a, a um a more aggressive person and she's not going to take any, you know, BS, um, or, and she's not going to be a blind follower, I should say. So I, I think it's going to be interesting seeing, seeing, I mean, seeing how she works out as a, a companion. And again, I, I have, I enjoyed the episode Blink immensely and I enjoyed Sally as a character immensely. So I, um, you know, <laughs> maybe for the, maybe for series five, <laughs> 
Yeah, see, I wonder about Sally Sparrow. I mean, I would like to see her in. That would be great. But I wonder about her if she's not like Nyssa in that because she was written for a one-off episode mm-hmm. that maybe Stephen Moffat retains the copyright to her and that therefore oh, it would well, be relatively have, complicated actually, to use her. Well, maybe not so much because it was a one episode, uh, but it could be that since it's, she's from another, you know, she, it was originally a um, a short story that Stephen Moffat did right. that appeared in the Doctor Who annual. Uh, maybe that's the case where you know he he has more possession to that character. I, I'm I'm not sure, you know, h- how that all works out now with you know. Yeah. Now that she's been in the BBC episode. I don't know. But it does bring up an interesting possibility if that's the case, and Stephen Moffat retains some amount of ownership. It brings up an interesting possibility if, as is largely rumored, Stephen Moffat might become the showrunner. Maybe that might make it easier for Sally Sparrow to return. Who knows? It's very well possible if that turns out to be the case. You know, I um, I, I know there's a... Again, a lot of momentum of getting Stephen Moffat. You know, if Russell T. Davies does move on for Stephen Moffat to come on board, he does have experience being a producer as well as a writer. I don't know how he. You know, I, I know he isn't he doing Jekyll. He is currently? doing Jekyll. So yeah. I, I don't know how his plate is. I know Russell T. Davies is doing. You know, obviously Torchwood and and Doctor Who and um, a certain aspect of a certain amount with um, the Sally Jane Adventures. Hmm. Um, Sarah, yeah. So I, I'm not sure how that all plays out as far as his um, what's on his plate and how much he can handle. True. Uh, I mean, I would gather that by now Jekyll is over for him. In a, you know, in the active producing sense, because it's got to be completed by now. Uh, even if it's I, I haven't been following it, so I don't know if it. You know, I don't know if it naturally concludes itself or there's another series next year. I have I haven't yeah. been watching, so I, I don't know. know. It's good though. You should watch. It's very good. Yeah, I, I need to catch up on. Uh, I got like two episodes left. I need to catch up on Life on Mars before I uh, start another new series. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm. uh, so, uh, but also another um, casting, um, another casting call that's been in the news lately is um, concerning the the next story of Doctor Who that we'll be seeing this Christmas, which is, um, I believe, Voyage of the Damned. It's um, the rumors of. Um, Kylie Monaco, pronouncing her name right. Um, Minogue. I think what, what, I'm uh, sorry. I think it's Kylie Minogue. Minogue. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm not really that familiar with her. I know many people are. Um, she's um, comes from Australia. She's a um, a singer that has um, been performing for some years now, and she's obviously a Doctor Who fan. We've had links on our site to a. Um, a YouTube um, posting of a concert where she comes out dressed as like a cyber woman and there's many dancers dressed up similar to Cybermen. And um, so she's obviously a Doctor Who fan. And um, going back to the beginning of this series, there were rumors that she was coming on, um, you know, she was going to be a, a, the companion for the Christmas story. And those rumors were denied and then confirmed and denied and confirmed. And so now it's officially confirmed that she will be um, in the next um, televised story, um, Voyage of the Dam, I believe. Any reaction there? 
Well, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I have some strong reactions to it, but uh, I've been taken to task probably with great cause on the forum for my opinions. Um, Kylie Minogue is, well, I mean, you know, it depends on your point of view. My point of view is not apparently that of the British, but to me, she is the Australian version of Madonna. Um, mm-hmm. She's highly, highly popular throughout the throughout the Commonwealth. Um, I mean, to to a degree that's ridiculous. Like, if you go onto her website, you can kind of see that she is a woman greatly concerned with image. And mm-hmm. she sold a lot of records. I mean, she's a, she is a bona fide, genuine star. But um, she is a woman who's tried several times to break into the American market and has been rebuffed every time because she doesn't actually provide that much in the way of original material next to what we have here. Um, And for that, I've always thought of her as a somewhat smaller star than people who are British would tend to rate her. Um, She gained a lot of popularity back in the late 80s for being on a soap opera called Neighbors, which was Australian, and then made it to Britain and became as popular as, say, EastEnders or Coronation Street is now. Um, And so, therefore, she's a name that a lot of people know. And the the one good thing about the casting is something that we've already kind of seen in that um, it's gotten Doctor Who press coverage in mainstream press in areas of the world that normally wouldn't cover Doctor Who at all. Like, there's been reports in uh, Chinese newspapers and Indian newspapers places all around the world that normally wouldn't touch Doctor Who at all. So in that sense, it's a brilliant casting move for publicity. I am not excited. Like, I have the reaction to this casting news that I think a lot of British people did have to Catherine Tate being cast in the last Christmas special. Um, she'll probably be fine in the, at the end of the day, but just as an announcement that's made and you, you kind of anticipate something, it makes me not thrilled at all <laughs> to think about mm-hmm. what's coming but you know it'll be fine I'm sure I just I, I never have really warmed to Kylie Minogue in any way even when I lived in Britain during the height of her popularity I didn't understand what in the world it was all about I wish James were here because I James is a big fan be a big fan um, I, I never heard of her before we first broke the news you know way back when so, you know, when she was first rumored to be in it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that proves the point. I mean, unless you're an Anglophile and really, I mean, a real big Anglophile. Yeah. And, um, but also the music the styling 80s. is more pop, like uh, dance pop type of stuff. Yeah, style. it's very, very pop. Um, it's kind of, I've made the comparison in the form, and I think it's true, at least to me it's true, that she's like Tiffany. If you can remember Tiffany from... The late eighties. Um, yeah, just, it's it's very mall poppy yeah. stuff. It's not mm-hmm. it's not even as good as like Madonna, but because Madonna, especially in these later years, has come up with some really innovative stuff where she brings together instruments from all around the world and really is trying to do avant-garde stuff and push the medium as far as it can be pushed. But hers is not that. It's it, to me, it's very derivative. Now, has she done any acting before? Well, yeah, I mean, she she was a regular in Neighbors, and she has appeared from time to time in certain movies and stuff, mm-hmm. but certainly she hasn't gotten what would be considered great 
notices about that acting experience. Okay. All right. Because I, I know I, if we go back to Billy Piper, she was well known as a pop star, if you will, a singing um, you know, personality. And I don't think a lot of people knew her acting abilities. So a lot of people just wrote her off and were you know, a bit skeptical. I'm sorry, I don't mean to use your name in this. No, but, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> about her being cast as the new companion at that time, and uh, and I, going back, I didn't know her at all. You know, Billy Piper, I didn't know her. Yeah, her, you know, I didn't her, never heard her music, never heard of her, so I, I really had no opinion. Um, but I know those there were those in the fan community that had a negative reaction of her being cast. So right. uh, perhaps this may be similar to um, to that in that respect. That that maybe her music has nothing to do with her, her acting ability, um, but. If you had mentioned that she has acted in Neighbors and other um, specials, and they've been fairly unremarkable, so I don't know. Let's just hope that Doctor Who is her forum then. But it's only a one-off story, um, right? But, but so was Catherine Tate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, having said that, the the relationship between her and I believe it was Jason Donovan, I think, was her male. Uh, I may be wrong, but it's been a long time since I've thought about it. But the, the primary romantic relationship in Neighbors was somewhat akin in terms of its uh, the way in which it grabbed the British public as, say, Rachel and Ross and Friends. I mean, it had that sort of, you know, it was a relationship that if you were aware of pop culture at all during the time that it was broadcast, you kind of knew, oh, yeah, that's a big romantic relationship and the, the will-they-won't-they thing, you know, was something that fired people's imaginations back then. But Kylie Minogue, and people can correct me on the forums later if I'm wrong about this, it seems to me to have the exact opposite sort of career of Billy Piper, at least so far, Billy Piper being much younger, obviously. Um, but Billy Piper started as a singer, then became an actor, whereas Kylie Minogue did have singing you know, a little bit to start with, but she was largely an actress when she was young. And then she was doing singing at the same time, but it's largely the singing that she's known for now, whereas I would think by the time that she's 38, um, Billy Piper will probably be not at all remembered for singing, but really for her acting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a reverse career. Just for your mind, our listeners, if you want to join in into the uh, to the conversation here, please put yourself in the queue, and uh, we'll get you into the into the on board here and hear what you have to say about what we're talking about. You know, so um, you know to enter the queue, just on uh, the Talk Shoe Live client, just um, in the upper right hand corner, there's a button to enter the queue, and we'll get you on um, you know on board. Ooh, we have a queue. That's exciting. <laughs> well, right now, no one's queued up. Oh, but. <laughs> so, um, in some other casting news, uh, before we get to the Infinite Quest review, I did want to make a mention. This has this doesn't relate to Doctor Who itself, but in uh, but relates to the spin-off series Torchwood. Uh, we had reported in the past that um, James Masters is. Um, has been cast for, uh, I guess, a guest appearance in um, um, in Torchwood. Now, for those that don't know, and I was one of those because I never really followed the series Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I know it has a very strong following, and um, he played he played Spike in that series. So he's coming on board um, onto Torchwood, and there's um he's been quoted in um, the the website sci-fi pod or sci-pod 
and in which um, Robin Brownfield um, reports. Um, uh, and, and I'm just going to read off uh, just a, a short paragraph here. His role is um, his role is going to offend some and titillate others to the point where they would need to finish themselves off afterwards. Their words, not mine. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Welcome to Torchwood. Yes. <laughs> I should have gave a warning out ahead of time. He. He also said that the Brits are m- more liberal in their approach to sex and sexuality than Americans, uh, but wouldn't spill the beans on what exactly he will be, what what exactly he uh, will happen during his stay. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there will be implications that something omnisexual will happen in that episode. <laughs> so, um, we're back to omnisexuals again. <laughs> so what happened to the term bisexual? But uh, so anyway, it's just a um, a little glimpse of what we may be seeing in the next series of Torchwood with um, James Masters um, playing a, um, a character that's unnamed right now, uh, but he played Spike in Buffy the, the Vampire Slayer, so um, how this will play into Torchwood, we'll see. Um, also, just for those in the States and the U.S., if you have not seen Torchwood yet, uh, to my understanding, on September 9th, it will start transmitting on BBC America. So if you receive BBC America, I, I know it's on DirecTV, and I'm sure it's on certain cable and satellite um, um, offerings. Torchwood will begin on September 9th. Cool. Yes? Oh, I thought I heard someone. No, I don't know. I, I'm pretty excited to see someone like him coming to Torchwood. With that said, um, I, I don't know, but uh, Torchwood didn't really fit for me in the way I was hoping it to, so uh, maybe something like this will help it along a little bit for me. So, well, I, well, I, I think maybe, and, and again, this is just pure speculation, that maybe after... Captain Jack's um, revisit with the Doctor in this series of Doctor Who, I think he walks away from the Doctor at the end of, spoiler or whatever, at the end of um, Last of the Time Lords, a bit different than what we had seen him in the Torchwood series. Whether that's going to carry over to Series 2 of Torchwood, which they are um, shooting right now. There was, again, Torchwood was in the news this past week uh, for another incident um, following the, the horrific bombings that are taking place in the UK, the, um, Torchwood made the news because they, uh, um, you know, they, they had special effects, bom- an explosion taking place during the shooting, which really alerted, um, alarmed many of the um, the people, and I believe it took place in Cardiff. So um, it's that's neither here nor there, just <laughs> just rambling off on the lips here. So anyway, so we'll, we'll see what happens next year with Torchwood, hopefully um, I'm hoping Captain Jack is going to be more like himself, or more like we've seen him at least towards the end of um, you know, um, Series 3 here. Well, I'm very excited about Torchwood coming up because, you know, of the announcement that Martha Jones is going to be a character on there for at least well, that's another fact. It's a story point. arc run. I mean, three episodes is long enough to create some kind of story and not just have her as a guest star for no particular reason. 
So I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be a very good season, and I think that they have taken on board. Um, you know, one of the big problems with Torchwood, you know, you can say it's the writing from last year. I don't think it actually was. I think it was the the fact that they were working to such a cramped time schedule. They were trying to get it out too quickly. And I think that the, the advantage of Torchwood starting in, in January of next year is that they are giving themselves enough time to actually think through things and come up with um, something that's a bit better developed. And so I'm I'm actually quite optimistic about Torchwood season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and it's it's um, it, it's hard to believe that it's a it's going to be a whole year hiatus in between when we last you know when Torchwood series one concluded to when it picks up again. Um, but I'm not sure if that's really going to hurt it so much, um, especially now that we've had uh, Captain Jack in Doctor Who and I kind of kind of bridged the the gap a bit. Yeah, and then you know we're going to have uh, Sarah Jane bridging the gap to Torchwood. So as I mean, well, yeah, you're not going to be what two, three months between each one of the three series, if it's if that, maybe two months now till Sarah Jane starts. Um, do, do we have a? We don't have a Sarah confirmed Jane? date, no, but okay. we do have heavy rumors that it's going to follow the school year, which would okay. indicate September, October, late September, early October start. Um, and that makes some sense given when it's targeted or where mm-hmm. what the audience is targeted for. So hopefully it definitely is going to fall in the gap between here and Torchwood. So yeah, it can't be that long off. Well, looking forward to it. Yeah. It's I think been a while the, since we've seen Invasion of the Bane. So. Well, yeah. But you know what the, the newest rumor is on that is that, um, at least according to uh, com that, in fact, the title won't be The Sarah Jane Adventures. That they're really? maybe going to change it again. Um, that, you know, it started its life as Sarah Jane Investigates, then it became The Sarah Jane Adventures, and that now they're going to come up with something else. Um, and that just came from their website last week, I think, that Russell C. Davies is not happy with the title. Um hmm. So I don't know. There have been lots of rumors out there that maybe it's going to be called Bannerman Road after the road on which her house exists. Uh, so they're going to drop Sarah Jane completely? Well, maybe. that's. I mean, there are lots of rumors. Another one is that it's just going to be called Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, or why not just Sarah Jane Smith? <laughs> or Sarah Jane Smith or something else. Um, or Sarah Investigates. There are lots of things under rumor now. Maybe none of those will come true. Maybe it, in fact, will go out as Sarah Jane's true. But See, now, if Martha Jones' character went to that series instead of Torchwood, they could have called it Smith and Jones. They could have. Indeed. <laughs> Great. And she would fit in on that show, too. Yeah. Well, maybe next time. Yeah. True enough. All right. Well, um... No one's entered our queue, so no one wants to talk about any of the casting news. So we're going to go right into our um, review of the Infinite Quest, which was an animated adventure that took place um, that that was transmitted um, um, during the same um, period that the 2004. Where am I? 2007 <laughs> series or series three took place, and it was. Um, you, you could have seen it in two different ways. You could, there was, um, it was shown originally in episodic form in like two or three minute segments 
during Totally Doctor Who, which is another show on the BBC that's, as the title implies, it's a show based uh, based on Doctor Who, um, which I, I don't think I've, I've, I've never seen from the beginning to the end, but I, I did see these segments. And, oh, that's um, a they, shame. It was really great this year, the whole Totally Doctor Who thing. I'm sorry, go. go. Well, I was always under the impression that was it was really aimed at younger viewers. It was, but it was a massive improvement upon the first series. Mm-hmm. Um, just you could have learned some things from there, even though you were well outside the uh, target age, just because of the way in which they revamped the the contest between uh, various younger viewers. They revamped that into you know, learning something about each particular discipline and making an episode of Doctor Who every week. And some of that was quite detailed, and you would have learned something from it. Um, really? Plus, I mean, plus the, the, the camera, the direction of it this year has been a lot more um, steady cam movement, not any kind of fixed cameras. Uh, the new hostess that they brought on was clearly superior to the one that came before, and she just had a lot more life and a little bit better rapport with Barney, the male uh, host. Mm-hmm. And they also just had a lot of very good guest stars on there. I mean, they had Martha was on there, or some member of the Jones family, about every week. Um, David Tennant was there three or four times. Um, they had Helen Rayner, they had Russell T. Davies, they had Julie Gardner. Um, they had a, um, a lot of really good people. Um, and it was well, just, perhaps something else to fill the gap between now and Torchwood. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I would, you know, the first series not so impressive. This one, though, I think is a really well-made show that will impress you, even if you're well outside the target range. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I have to be honest. I sort of just wrote it off as a, you know, a, a kids show that that that. You know, I, I I didn't know what really they were gonna. Show. I mean, I figured as far as the insight into making the series, I thought that was, would be covered with Confidential, which is another uh, Doctor Who dedicated show, um, Doctor Who Confidential. And then, um, but so I, I it seems like it's it it deems to be um, worthy of, of checking out. Yeah, I mean, I think that that criticism of it was fair for the first series. The first series was really pretty awful. And Russell T. Davies, in fact, was not at all happy with the way that that first series went. But this one has been much more engaging, much better edited, much better directed. Um, And even though it is still in that target um, range, when you've got segments where you've got Russell T. Davies versus a kid on their level of (laughs) trivia knowledge about Doctor Who, and the kid wins... And Russell T. Davies appears to be trying to win and yet loses. <laughs> That's pretty good TV, I think. Um, okay, so the Teletubbies, it's not. <laughs> not at all, no, no. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you offered the insight. I'm sure many of our listeners are completely unfamiliar with the show as well. And um, what is it, a half-hour show? It is a half-hour show, yeah. Okay. And it ran concurrently with the series. I mean, in other words, it, it doesn't. It's not running now. Or it's not running now. No, okay. it, it ran. I, I I'm not sure exactly when the original broadcast of each episode was because it was broadcast several times throughout the week. I want to say that it was actually the Friday before the next episode. So, like, if you were in the first week, you had Smith and Jones on a Saturday, and then. 
just prior on the Friday prior to Shakespeare Code coming up, the first episode of Totally Doctor Who ran. I think that's where it went. It was either on the Friday or on the Monday. I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, in the, I can say it without having seen it that this season, this series, this year, it improved because it included these animated, this animated series, which um, had these animated segments um, in each episode, which told the story of the Infinite Quest, where, um, well, if you haven't seen it, well, as the name implies, it's a quest that the Doctor and Martha are on, um, maybe similar to um, what we've seen um, way back when in the Tom Baker series, um, when they were collecting the segments of time, uh, where trying to get these um, pieces of um, the infinite, um, I, I don't know if there were how many pieces? Four. four or five. Four. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, um, but as I said, there were two ways that you could see it. One was watching it during Totally Doctor Who, and um, they were like three minute segments, um, episodes, if you will, and then at the conclusion what they did was they pieced them all together and made one complete story or episode that was roughly around 43 minutes or so or 42 something in there in that ballpark similar in length of a you know regular doctor who story and um it had you know the beginning credits and end credits and similar to what we've seen um in in the series the animation style um, though not exactly, is similar to what we saw in The Invasion, those two episodes. It wasn't made by the same company. Cosgrove was not, it's, I don't believe, had anything to do with it. So, um, But it's in that similar vein where it's sort of like Flash animation. And um, I mean, it's not very fluid animation, but it was. it's still sufficient. It still played out very well. I, I think technically it... Um, it, it's very good. Uh, it stars the actual um, actors, David Tennant and um, and um, um, Freema Adjaman, playing respectively the Doctor and Martha Jones. And um, I would say that um, I think I enjoyed it more in the episodic form because when it's all strung together as one complete episode, it was obvious that it was made to be shown episodic because it gets very fragmented and 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 it's jumping from here to there it, it the pacing isn't really there in the full-fledged episode form but it's nice to see it you know from beginning to end you know in 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 one sitting in the full-fledged episode form um i i don't i still prefer um and i'm saying this only because this came out within the last year the, the those two lost episodes of invasion that were animated uh for the dvd i i thought that had a bit more was a bit more stylistic and i could be saying that only because maybe it's black and white or whatever but it, i i i tend to or or maybe it's just the story um i i tend to lean more towards that than this but then again this was geared more for I don't know, for the the audience that was targeted for Totally Doctor Who, which is a more of a younger audience, less so as a full-fledged family viewing that Doctor Who proper is targeted at. So with that in mind, I, I, I thought they did a, a splendid job and a, it was enjoyable to watch. Um, what did everyone else think? <laughs> <laughs> Doc? Well... 
Okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure that it wasn't done by Cosgrove Hall. I could be wrong, but it certainly is in the same style. It, it yeah. is Flash Animation in the same style as the invasion was done. And for that matter, uh, Shada and probably mm-hmm. no, That's too. true, the, the webcast. Yeah. Was- um, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, the writer of the piece is Alan Barnes. Alan Barnes is a very important figure in um, Doctor Who comics history, especially over the last, well, in the in the 14 years where there wasn't Doctor Who at all. He's one of the guiding figures of the um, Eighth Doctor and to an extent the Seventh Doctor's run as well in Doctor Who magazine. Um, and, you know, for his brief, which was indeed to present... A, a story over 13 parts, I think that he came away with something that was very enjoyable. Um, it is slightly pitched to a younger audience, but it is also significantly something that is A, tied into Series 3 in that you have the recurring theme of ancientness. That is another ancient race, another um, thing that predates time, whatever that means, um, that we saw that started with the Runaway Bride and that has continued mm-hmm. at various points throughout um, the series so far. So it does feel as though it is a part of the regular season. And it's also significant because it's the first Doctor Who story that we've had that has no part of it taking place on Earth. Yeah, and that's which is good. a great advantage having an animated series that they don't have to worry about special effects budgets or you know sets building sets or they can really go anywhere the imagination takes them and I think that's a, a great asset to the animated you know having an animated series is that you're not tied to Earth. Right, and I'm glad that they in fact took full advantage of that. I mean, they in some point in some parts barely had humanoid figures, much less mm-hmm. you know worried about depicting Earth at all, and that was exciting to see. And I think what's interesting about the animation to me is that they did better with the aliens and the other guest-starring characters than they did maybe with the Doctor and Martha. Um, although I thought Martha was animated very much better for some reason than uh, the, doctor. the Doctor. I'm not quite sure why that is. Maybe because of greater familiarity with David Tennant, and so therefore you kind of noticed when it was wrong. I'm not quite yeah. sure why, but it, mm-hmm. she did seem better animated than he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, and Anthony Head, of course, you can't get away without you know applauding his return to the series in the form of the main villain that you saw really at the mm-hmm. beginning and at the end of the whole story, but still, he was a very nice, menacing figure. Yeah. Um, I... I I very much enjoy. I'm glad that they went this route. I'm glad that they took a risk and and did something that they haven't done before, really, with Doctor Who. Um, it did echo the Key to Time series a little bit. Certainly, I mean, the basic structure is very similar to the Key to Time, but it's better than the Key to Time, I think, in that um, in the Key to Time, really, all you have is there is this search. You're going through this search, and that's the only thing that glues the, the episodes together. Whereas in this. You know, you had characters who returned, like um, Core, the mechanical bird. Yeah. Um, and he and or his progeny returns throughout the the several episodes. Um, you know, in terms of plot, it, the plot and the scripting is maybe a little bit more clearly for kids because some of the things that are meant to be mysteries are pretty obvious to an adult that, you know, what exactly is going on. Um, but for kids, it might be 
you know, it it's basically the the difference between in comic book terms, the comic book in Doctor Who Adventures versus the comic that's in Doctor Who magazine. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who Adventures, you know, it's very clearly for kids. Doctor Who magazine that's for at least teenagers, not just kids. So there's yeah. a, there's a greater sophistication of narrative and dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um but having said that, I mean, it's a fantastic first effort in terms of making an original Doctor Who cartoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. I would like to Joe, see it continue next time. I, yeah. I would love to see this um, an, as an ongoing effort. I'm, you know, if David Tennant and, <laughs> you know, I don't know, if, um, whatever companion it could be, I think it would be, a, you know, or for that matter, um, you know, just like Big Finish is doing with with um, the other actors that have played the Doctor, I wouldn't mind seeing animated stories in, in that respect either. Oh, yeah. Joe, did you have a chance to catch it? Oh, yeah, I got to see it. Um, I guess, in short, I would say that I enjoyed it more than uh, Shakespeare Code. And, <laughs> uh, I, I, I enjoyed it more than a couple of episodes this mm-hmm. season. And uh, from some of the newer ones, it's just it, I thought uh, the story was you know done well enough. Um, it uh, had a lot of elements to it. It was clearly fast-paced, out of the fact that it you know is such a you know three-minute a week thing. You know, just that very nature. It's got to be fast-paced, but. You know, we got to see a bunch of things. It was better than the key to time. I agree with that. Um, had the key to time only been 45 minutes, that might have been... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, um, Anthony Head was fantastic. They keep using him over and over again. You know, yeah, we should point big... out that he's the narrator in Doctor Who Confidential as well. Yeah, um, he he did the um, Excellus trilogy with uh, Big Finish. He did um, that one, um, oh, Death Comes to Time. He was in that brief. Uh, you know, they, they use him over and over again. And, you know, I, I, I think that's good. I think that's to our advantage because I think he's pretty good, especially his voice is... You know, very dis, and um, you know, I, I just got it was just a fun story, and it also brought back into play a theme from this whole season, where time isn't, you know, like where to the time lords, time a few years here and there isn't a big deal. He makes a remark, I think it's in the last episode, it took him three years to get Martha to save her and stop, you know, uh, Anthony Head's character. And, you know, that was a theme throughout the whole season where, you know, in Human human Nature and Family of Blood, they brought that into play where he's hiding for, you know, a certain period of time, uh, waiting a year before really being able to do anything and then throwing this in shows that, you know, it was just a theme that Russell T. Davies for whatever reason is trying to get across. So I liked how it also connected to the series that was going on as well. 
and it didn't seem like it had nothing to do with the season. And you know, really, other than that, it was just it was fun. You know, yeah, the, the pirates was clearly you know there was a, a little bit of you know childishness that whole scene in the yards and all that. And uh, although I enjoyed how they made fun of uh, Martha overacting in that scene, because I, I feel that there have been a couple of times, you know, overall she's oh, great. Yeah. I feel like a couple of times she's overacted in uh, the season. So I enjoyed well, that. The, the scene where Martha starts talking like a pirate and Doctor says, no, you really shouldn't do that, was very consistent with what we've seen the 10th Doctor in in the past do, with, you know, uh, a couple times before. So I, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed it. And um, I'm going to give it as, you know, we normally do, we give our TARDIS groan ratings. And I'm giving it four out of five TARDIS groans. And I'm hoping to see more animated stories. And like I said, it's a great, um, it's, it's, a, it's a great platform to do anything that you want to really do in Doctor Who without the constraints of uh, budgets for special effects and sets and whatnot because you can really, truly go anywhere, anytime in an animated sense, sort of like what you can do with Big Finish, you know, basically you're limited to only your imagination where and what you can do, uh, which is a great, um, you know, asset to that format. And uh, it would be great to see more of these, um, not just one story that, that it would be great to you know, see more throughout the year. Um, hopefully that might happen, or at least next year we'll get another one. I'm hoping during Totally Doctor Who. Has anyone heard anything of that? I haven't, um, but, it, but I don't think we found out about this until when it was relatively close to launch. Yeah. It was in 2007. It wasn't in 2006 that we found out about this. Mm-hmm. This is true. Uh, maybe this, maybe January 2008. We'll find out. Okay. Um, I see Dave is in the queue. We're going to get to him, oh. and then I haven't forgotten. Um, I'm sorry. Did someone? All right. I thought I heard someone. Okay. No, I just said, "Oh, good." <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> and um, we're going to come back to Darth and Joe's um, final review of it as well. But let's hear what Dave have to say. Dave, you on board? Hi, Lewis. Hi, everyone. I hope I'm okay. I, I had a terrible trouble getting on today. Uh, I'm uh, glad you did. Yeah, you sound great. Oh, good. Right. Well, um, as I've already said, I haven't watched it all the way through. I'm afraid. Uh, uh, Wimbledon tennis got in the way but uh, I've, I've watched most of it and um, I, thought, I was really pleased with it I thought they've done an excellent job I mean when you think of some of the uh, cartoons that they've passed off for children uh, in the past uh, I would say this is a fairly high quality programme uh, admittedly uh, there's a lot of static uh, images of the faces and the you know the lips moving but I've seen an awful lot worse um, uh, no, I think that was excellent. And I think, uh, although they could use other doctors, uh, sticking to the current doctor this time probably got the children more involved in the storyline. Mm. Maybe um, one or two of the younger children were perhaps able to uh, get more out of this than some of the uh, quite complex stories we've had in Doctor Who recently. Uh, and, and almost... Um, I don't know whether you can remember being a young child, but sometimes it was nice to read an easy book, you know, a book younger than your age group. 
Mm. I was trying to read the Chronicles of Narnia or uh, um, something that was uh, you thought was a little bit difficult. It was sometimes nice to come back to a book uh, that was in your comfort zone. And I think a lot of younger viewers will have just been able to sit back and relax and say, you know, I know what's going on here, uh, and maybe even predict what was going to happen. So mm -hmm. I think it would have been a great success with them. Uh, and I think you're right with the comments about um, it was nice having Anthony head in it. He obviously is a real Doctor Who fan. He's, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to be cynical this week. I'm not going to say that because Anthony Head came over to Britain to do three roles, they sort of thought, right, let's get three or four good jobs out of him. I think he was quite uh, chuffed to do this little job. I thought he, uh, he was good in it. Uh, I love the idea of yours, Lewis, of uh, having other Doctor adventures. Um, I mean, the, the eighth Doctor comes to mind. E even, although I don't think Christopher Eccleston would do it, uh, having the ninth Doctor do it would uh, would be great. Because, of course, we only got one season of him, and a lot of us feel a little short change that uh, we missed him after one series. Mm -hmm. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to speak up for Ken now because he's not here. I think what Ken would have been saying is um, I wish that they would put that budget into um, doing the cartoons of missing episodes. I think that's where he would put his money. He would say, uh, this is great for the kids, but let's finish off. Let's complete some of the series. Let's get the, uh, the uh, second Doctor's stories out there. Uh, then they can come back and, and do this. Um, and I don't know whether you're going to point. I think you've already said that um, the quality of the um, cartoon, obviously with the uh, the invasion one, I, I assume that was in black and white. The the cartoon mm -hmm. part, Lewis. Yeah. And obviously this was 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 coloured and then a, a a pretty excellent soundtrack, I thought. But it's whether whether there's enough money in the kitty to do all these different things at once. Well, I, I think the budget is coming out of different um, piggy banks, and uh, whereas um, the DVD releases are, um, I think it's, um, what is it, it's to entertain, and, and, and I guess a division of the BBC funds that, and uh, I, I, I agree, I really hope that these, you know, Unfortunately, I don't think it's the case right now where we're going to see any more animated, um, at least not immediate in our immediately near future, uh, DVD releases of missing episodes animated. But I do surely hope that in the future we will. And I think they did a splendid job with Invasion. And uh, I really would hope that we see more of that because all the audio exists for the missing episodes. It's just a matter of taking the time, which they did incredibly well for Invasion. If you haven't seen Invasion, please pick up the DVD and not only watch it, but also watch the, the the extras that have the making of the animated segments and what they did to get to where they are, you know, to... Because to, uh, maybe the, sometimes the, when they, you just have the audio in, existing, you, in, in existence, you don't exactly know, and the script doesn't offer any insight what exactly... A certain noise that you may hear, what exactly it is, and it's interesting how they were able to surmise what it is, and often in the case they were right. And um, but anyway, that's that's another discussion. I, um, I really do hope that we see more of that. And um, but I, I don't see why we can't have concurrently have new animated ad adventures as well as um, reanimating the lost episodes. You know, like I said, I, I think the, the money has come from different two different places. So um, 
Well, of course, there's another advantage that in the uh, in the UK, the BBC has a, a remit to uh, produce uh, new drama and new drama specifically for children. So, uh, in a way, um, I think the BBC will be quite keen to produce a few more. And, and of course, it makes a nice little section for, for the Totally Doctor Who programme. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it, it, it's all good stuff. Um, can I just uh, break off slightly, just make one or two comments about the other earlier part of the discussion. Um, if anybody's just come in later, we were talking about uh, the casting that's been taking place and some of the rumours that have gone around. Um, sure. Yeah, I think, um, well, I, I don't like um, Catherine Tate. I must admit, if she could just get through the episode without shouting. I think everything was at top notch. I mean, my eardrums are tired out. I mean, God forbid, I'm, I'm sure people get sick of me talking, but Catherine Tate, she was relentless. She would just go on and on and on, all at this one bang, 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 bang. And, uh, well, you were weary of her. Um, so if you could just tone that down. And, um, again, unfortunately, I mean, with, with Freema and her, it, it, it's a, a very strong... Um, London accent, it's a very sort of hard accent and uh, you know, I, I would have liked them to have come to someone like Sally Sparrow I must admit, uh, I agree with the majority of people there I would even have rather have had uh, Sarah Jane back if they wanted an older companion and they wanted to change the dynamic, I would have rather have had um, I know Jamie back or, or Zoe or one of the older ones but uh, still, um, we'll just have to wait and see. As for Kylie, I think Kylie will do rather well. Uh, she had the unfortunate uh, choice that when she did go into acting, she picked um, a Van Damme movie. Uh, now, I like Van Damme movies as a whole, um, some of his kung fu ones, but the the, uh, the one that she joined in with, uh, oh, it was an abysmal film. It was based on um, um, a computer game. I can't remember the title at the moment, but um, yeah, that was a shocking film. But uh, Kylie, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. But the most exciting news, and I'll finish on this, is Spike uh, uh, James Marsden coming to Torchwood. I loved him in uh, um, Buffy. I loved him in Angel. He helped carry that fifth uh, series uh, along. And I also quite liked him in Smallville. So, I mean, that lad's got a career in the conventions from now until doomsday because he can virtually go as anyone. So, if get him into Torchwood, and if he can survive the, um, well, I hate to call it, what would you call it, initiation of Torchwood, um, and we can all guess what that would be, um, I think it'd be great. I look forward to it. Was he a so, regular on Smallville, or was he just a guest? Yes. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, season five. He, he played an artificial life form. Uh, of, uh, of I think it was after I stopped watching it. Then okay. He basically right. played Brainiac, Brainiac Five, Brainiac. All right. Yeah, I, I, that's, yeah. I didn't see any of that then. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize he was in Smallville. It's good oh to know. yeah, he's got he's got a real career. So, yeah, that's excellent. And um, I'm about done with that. So someone else get in the queue, please. Yeah. Uh, just a, a couple points on what you just said is that um, if memory serves, I remember hearing after Invasion came out um, with the animated um, segments of the missing episodes is that um, they couldn't afford to go with... Um, to entertain, couldn't afford to really do that again 
um, with Cosgrove, but if the BBC could step in and and do it, they'd be more than willing to do it again. So the team that they have set up for this um, for the Infinite Quest, if, if I think they're a great. You know they can come in and, and, and do it. Though I, I mean I would prefer to have Cosgrove and that team to do it since they did an excellent job with Invasion. But I'd rather see it be done than not done. You know regardless who does it. So um, and I think the Infinite Quest proved that you know they do they are capable of, of, of pulling it off. Right. Yes, and, uh, and Martha and uh, the Doctor they had quite good faces for animation, didn't they? They both got extremely white eyeballs and white teeth and uh, a very clean cut, cut look to their faces and uh, costumes and that and David's hair I've never seen it sticking out so much <laughs> it, it, looked, it looked flash it looked modern and uh, I think the kids will have really taken to it I haven't seen any um, uh, you know how we usually get the uh, the viewing figures on the, the episodes, but I haven't seen what the viewing figures are for that, but it, I would imagine it was quite a success. In fact, it was repeated earlier today, um, as I said. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, another addition to the Doctor Who world. Yeah, right? yeah I, I'm not sure what the viewing figures are either, but I, I'm sure probably, you know, it did well, at least, you know, among younger viewers, but I, I, I think as we kind of alluded to before was that um, it's not strictly for younger viewers. I, th- I think everyone uh, could get some value out of watching it, you know, entertainment value out of watching it. And um, um, I, I don't know, I, th- I was going to make another point. Uh, I guess um, I don't remember what I was going to say now con- con- concerning what you had said about, I guess, Catherine Tate or whatever. I, I guess we'll have to give her a chance. Just I think she everyone... Shout, she doesn't shout too much. God, it was relentless. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Just to remind everyone, Dave's calling from Manchester in the UK, and as always, want to thank you for your participation. Okay. Thanks, Lewis. And we'll see. hopefully um, you'll be back next week for our series review. And I'm looking forward to what you have to say then. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Next in queue, we have Lonely Angel Ten. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Lewis. How are you? Good to have you back on the show. Hi. Um, and your comments? Yes, my comments are, um, well, just some of the things that were covered. Um, as far as Catherine Tate is concerned, I think that's a huge mistake. I think someone on the forum said something like it's the jump the shark moment um, for Doctor Who, meaning that um, it's the point in the series where something happens that... Um, can't be passed, um, like just a, a huge like boulder in the middle of the series where everything from that point on starts to go downhill. So, I mean, I you know, I agree that we should give her a chance, but it just seems like such a miscast. Um, she was really, really good in The, the Runaway Bride, and um, that aired this, um, well, I guess... Past December. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it just aired on... In, on oh, on the Sci-Fi Channel, yes. Right, it just that, aired the on the Sci-Fi yesterday. Channel again, yeah. yeah. So I, I've watched that again, and, you know, she does a really good one-off performance, but it doesn't really feel like something that's going to be able to hold on for an entire series. And um, the shouting is part of it, but I think it's just the whole, well, what are you really going to do with this character? She doesn't really seem to have enough, like, meat to really have anything to so it seems like they really could have just used, I mean, anybody else from the series. I mean, people do mention Sally Sparrow, but there were other, like, minor characters that could have possibly been asked. Um, I think Dave also mentioned Zoe 
mom. I think Zoe was the the girl from Fear Her. No, Zoe goes back to the Pat and Trout and uh, the Pat oh, Trout series. Oh, I'm thinking so. of something else. I'm thinking of the the girl that was in the the, the Fear Her episode. Her mother. Who? Oh. Um, yeah, because that same actress has been used by Russell T. Davis before um, he cast her in Casanova. So I didn't understand mm-hmm. why they couldn't just use someone else that was already seen, in, you know, in, in an earlier episode or something. Well, it would be interesting to see Sally come back, um, if not as a companion, but maybe as another guest um, returning for an episode or two in, you know, next year. I, I think there's a lot of um, interest in seeing her again, and I think she did a splendid job in Blink, and um, it would be good just to see her back in, you know, in action, so to speak, um, with the Doctor, as right, opposed exactly. to, you know as good as she was, she wasn't really with the doctor and then just spiritually she was. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's definitely some storylines there. It's just, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really I mean, I didn't really understand this news at all. I mean this with Kylie Minogue joining the series, you know, because we know she's only gonna be on for the Christmas episode, it's it's no commitment with Kylie. So whatever, you know, they want to do with her character is is not really going to be too much of a bother. Um, but for Series 4, it just seems surprising that they would just, I mean, and not even consider hiring someone else, like another actress. Um, I just really realized that, that Catherine Tate plays it really all one note, um, which is partly because of the screaming, but there's just no character there. Yeah, I, I and again, this is just my own speculation. I really think they're going to develop her character more, and I think it's going to be more than just screaming. Um, I, I don't think we're you know, I think we're going to hear some more screaming during times that calls for it, but I, I, just, I think... Well, maybe probably during the beginning when she first comes back, they might, you know, start with that same tone, and then maybe they might, you know, uh, bring her down a notch, but I, I don't really think that's just, you know, that... Because I, I don't think she's going to be able yeah. to carry that intensity, you know, nonstop to beginning to end of episode of every episode, you know, for 13 episodes, so I, I really think they, they're going to have to really, you know, we're going to get some quiet time with her as well. I mean, maybe she'll fall down a black hole or something, and then Martha will come back, and you know, it'll be fine. So I don't really like worry too much about it. I guess it's all a sort of wait and see opportunity. But um, it was really good that you know I'm happy that the show has um, made it onto the Sci-Fi Network in the United States, and you know I'm I'm interested in hearing what the um, the ratings are for this. And it, it is unfortunate that they had to you know cut in with so many commercials and. Um, really chop up the episodes, but you know it. It seems like it, it can only be good for the for hope. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'm not a big fan of commercial breaks either. <laughs> but uh, buy the DVDs; they'll be out soon enough. But still support the Sci-Fi Channel because um, if they don't have the ratings, they won't be picking up future series. So um, you know, I say do both. Exactly. Okay. Well, well, thanks, Louis. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, I, I just do. I, I do recall what I wanted to ask Dave before um, concerning um, the, 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 the the Christmas special voyage of the dam. I had read in the New York Post was, um, and this was the New York Post, so take it <laughs> with a grain of salt. Was um, that not only does um, Kylie Montague, Mon- um, I, I get, I always mess up her last name. Minogue. Minogue. Um, not only is she from Australia, but that they're shooting this special in Australia. Could that be possible? That she what? That they're shooting this special in Australia. Oh. I, 
don't. don't I, I I found that very peculiar, and um, I haven't heard anything about that. Dave just posted that in uh, in the chat that he hadn't heard that either. So I I think maybe the post got that messed up. I think so. I mean, I know that they had the. Uh, I saw some news that they had the, the first read through of the thing in upper boat, so I don't think that means that they were in Australia. Yeah, well, I, we're going to have to see whether or not um, where where the story kind of takes place. We we know partially what's involved with how you know Last of the Time Lord ends, and um, we'll see if that that carries through the whole show or not. Alrighty, well, um, let me get um, Darth and and Joe's. What, starting with Darth, what was your final take on the Infinite Quests and your TARDIS groans review of it? Oh yeah, um, well, for the plot, I would say it's only about a three. I think I hope if they do another one that they don't go the route of this, um, you know, here's a, here's a puzzle. Let's put the puzzle together, kind of yeah. thing. I think they could do something else, like a mystery, a, a detective story, something else that would be a mm-hmm. little more original. But yeah. you know, it's certainly a serviceable for the dialogue. I think it's um, you know it's four and a half for that probably. Uh, for the animation, we don't really have anything else to compare it with. Um, it's probably the highest form of flash animation that we've yet seen. And I don't mean just in Doctor Who. I mean, I don't. There certainly aren't. It's not a style of animation that is at all used in the U.S. Um, so it doesn't have that much analog. So you have to give it a five for the style that it is. Um, and so overall, it's probably you know a four, four. Um, very enjoyable. I'm glad that they did it. I hope they do it again. Great, Joe. Yeah, um, I'd say overall. So a full, uh, pretty much the same thing. It, it wasn't an original plot overall, but there were sprinkles of originality throughout. You know, the whole story, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, and that even though it was simple, you know, there would be like little things in it that would add some more situation. Like I thought it was great. You know, Everywhere, they, you know, like with the pirates, you know, that there was this whole thing with the oil company, and when they went with the uh, the bugs, you know, that there was a war going on. There's always something going on. It wasn't that they just had to go somewhere, grab something, and a monster was preventing them from grabbing it. You know, I liked how they took that approach. They're going to an already established place, uh, which they easily could have not done, made it easier on themselves, and done things that, you know, have been done in the past in the show. So, um, yeah, I would say overall it was uh, four. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing that sort of stuff done in the future. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you both for um, helping out with today's show, and um, the others that uh, James and Taras and uh, Mike hopefully will be back next week. Um, I know Ken should be back next week as we review the entire series. And of course, Darth and Joe, hopefully you'll be, both of you will be back as well. We'll be yep. reviewing series three of the 2007 series of Doctor Who from, um, you know, giving our overall impression of the whole entire series will be a chance to kind of reevaluate or recap on some of our um, feelings on on particular episodes, but uh, it's going to be more of a uh, review of the, of the series as a whole, and it should be very exciting. 
it was um, a lot to talk about this this year. So come back next week when we do that. That's July Sunday, July fifteenth at one p.m. Eastern Daylight Time in the U.S. and um, your local time accordingly to that. So uh, come back for that. Once again, thanks, everyone. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for Dave and, and uh, Lonely Angel for coming on board on, um, with their comments. And um, until next week, take care, everyone. Have a good one. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by their fan run GallifreyandEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Create your own internet talk show. Check it out at T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E dot com.